Good evening, Canes fans. Peter Rees here, bringing you a post-signing day live show. D-Money will be joining me shortly. If you aren't tired of my face yet after yesterday's marathon, my face and my voice, then I salute you. And uh, D, like I said, D-Money is going to be coming on here any moment now. We're going to be breaking down the full recap as D-Money couldn't join the show yesterday, had a ton of guests Appreciate Brad Tejeda for spending most of the day with me. Steve Kim, Kane on Kane, Mike Ryan from the Levitard show came on and gave his thoughts on everything happening during the day. But of course, we want D-Money's perspective, the inside scoop of different happenings. Of course, you know, it doesn't really matter because he ended up signing with Ohio State, but how close was Miami to signing him? And, the, and just going position by position with him, getting his thoughts on this recruiting class as a whole that finished number three in the country, according to the 247 Sports composite. Of course, still a couple things up in there. Zay Mincy, we don't know where he's going just yet. It looks like Alabama is most likely where he's going to end up. But Kane's trying to do whatever they can there. And then transfer portal-wise, that does not factor into the recruiting uh side of it in terms of the rankings but mario cristobal as he said this morning on the joe rose show they're working around the clock trying to finish things up with certain guys that they're already on obviously the quarterback position that's what everyone wants to talk about going to be talking to d money now in a second getting his insights into any recent developments there at that position um but of course Great finish for the Canes yesterday overall, flipping a Darius Hayes from Florida, flipping Armando Blunt from Florida State. And then as a whole, not too many surprises. Kevin Riley flipping to Alabama there, as had been trending, unfortunately, the last week or so. But right now, I'm going to bring in a man who was missing yesterday. The Canes community was 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 waiting for him. All we got was was the phone calls when I'd have to step away every now and then, getting updates from him and, and text messages and things of that nature. D Money, welcome to the show. Good evening. No, listen, I was working not just my day job, but also working Kane stuff, trying to get some info for you guys. And listen, Pete, that was an Iron Man performance. Um, you know, some of the people listening might remember the 1992 Royal Rumble when Ric Flair entered at number three and outlasted uh, 30 other men to win the WWF championship. That's, that's what came to mind watching you um, just go and go and go. You picked up your, 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 your stride late. I mean, you were better later than you were in the beginning. Um, never wore down, kept rolling, and uh, celebrated a great day with Canes fans. Appreciate everybody who tuned in and supported and was on the site all day. The, you know, the views were insane. There was almost 2 million impressions. Um, things were rolling, man. So appreciate everybody who was on last night with the stream and, and, the, and the site. And Pete, man, you're the man. That was uh, a lot of people were down on you, man, after some of the comments you made in the past, some of the antics. And I think you you proved a lot of people uh, wrong and uh, converted a lot of people with, with your performance yesterday. Well, like I said yesterday, it's, it's, it's a renaissance, you know, so... I'm excited to keep doing stuff like that and keep experimenting with uh, the Canes Insight community, right? Because obviously signing day is a special day and there's so much happening, right? But like I said on the show, man, maybe we got to do something on game days next year, you know, get more interactive with the fans. We, you know, spring, these spring scrimmages and practices. We did some stuff last year, but I think we can, uh, we can take it up a notch this next year. So excited uh for the coming months just yeah man tailgates any ideas you guys have uh, just pick it up did me interrupt people what you were saying tailgates game day stuff you guys ideas put them in the comments put them in the put them in the canesinsight.com message boards we're trying to blow it up next year and really take things to another level you saw a little bit of that yesterday with the the marathon live stream with pete so let's get into this class as a whole right the um obviously made a made a leap in the rankings yesterday there was an expectation they could they could get into that top five and finish with a top three or four class, which they did, right? And there was hopes that they could flip the Jeremiah Smith situation, battled until the very end there, did not happen. 
So listen, that that obviously was a huge storyline yesterday, and it and it dragged into the into the night. But Coach Cristobal and staff have to be very pleased with what they did attacking that defensive line. Still have a lot of work to do in the portal, as Cristobal said himself. But following up last year's class with this one, it had to be a slam dunk for them. Listen. Just to give you some perspective here, the last time Miami signed uh, two back-to-back top 10 classes, there was no Facebook. It wasn't called Facebook. I think Facebook was February 2005. That was the last time Miami signed back-to-back top 10 classes. So just to give you some perspective of how long ago that was, 2005, what were you doing, P? You were like, what, 12? I was, yeah, 11 years old. Right. I I was 10 years old. 10 years old, already had a unibrow. So you're talking about you're talking about a long time for Miami to do what they did. Not only did they have back to back, you know, it's not like they went nine and nine, right? It was the seventh ranked class last year, which we've already seen two freshman all Americas out of it, good evaluations in that seventh ranked class. Now you're talking about the number three class, and you look up and you see Georgia and Alabama. So it's been a minute, and this is you know, last time you had a class that ranked that high it was 2008. So a lot of milestones with this class, and I think you got to stop and appreciate. Obviously, look, Jeremiah Smith, number one player from Miami, that's a tough one to lose. But I, I was surprised at how Miami fans took that news. You know, they were still positive about the class. I think they realize this is something different when you're stacking classes like this, as opposed to making excuses and everything else. All you got to say is top three class right behind Georgia and Alabama. And I think it's the way that the the trenches have been attacked. Right, You look at the offensive line class last year, followed up with this defensive line class. And we'll go position by position right now. But man, the, the topic and the trending conversation throughout this whole cycle was, what are they doing at defensive line, at defensive tackle? Artavius Jones commits and it's like, well, we were promised all of these other guys, right? They wanted the best defensive line class in the country. And they're... I mean, it, it's it's right up there as the best defensive line class in the country, right? Um, but at the end of the day, they end up going and getting adjusted Scott and now supplementing it with some guys in the portal, which we'll talk about as well. The trench, the trenches are no longer an issue at Miami, right? I mean, and that's that to me is a huge, huge topic. No question. My man Skyman on the Canes Inside Forums. I know he loves the YouTube show. I got to shout him out. He's he made a post, mission accomplished, which was these guys said, we were talking about it in February, right when the other signing day ended, we were saying the goal for this next cycle, 2024, is to have the best defensive line class in the country. We said it on the podcast, on the canesinsight.com forums. And what happens? We're sitting here, December 2023, Miami signed consensus, best defensive line class in the country. And it was a rocky road. I was talking to Miami the day that Justin Scott committed to Ohio State, and they were depressed. They thought he he wanted to be in Miami. They knew they, he wanted to be in Miami, um, and it didn't happen for a bunch of reasons. And they were depressed, man. It was tough. Rebounded from that one to win the Marquise Lightfoot battle against Ohio State, another Chicago kid, bring him in, top 100 player, who we'll talk about. We'll go through the whole class. But that was kind of the rebound for the Scott news. They held on to Artavius Jones, who that looked shaky just because of where he's located in Florida's panhandle. Freak athlete who we'll talk about. And then they come back around. They get Justin Scott. So they 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 write that wrong. And then, of course, Armando Blunt, who they had pegged as a top five player. Everybody had pegged as a top five player in the 2025 class. Reclassified, 16 years old, able to, to beat out Florida State for him with some t- uh, twists and turns. You're also adding an Elias Rudolph, who had committed to Michigan, stole him from Michigan. Cole McConaughey, a great eval, who we'll talk about. We love, uh, was on the stream yesterday, flipped him from Louisville. Dalen Russell, kind of a steady culture guy, had been there. So it was a roundabout way to get to this great class on the defensive line. But when the dust settled, the mission was accomplished. All right, let's get into position-by-position talk here. The quarterback spot. Judd Anderson is the guy that you said before anybody was going to be most likely at least one of the quarterbacks in this class. There was talk at some point that there could be another one. Obviously now, I think with the emergence of Emery Williams in his opportunity to play last year and then knowing you're going to go get a guy in the portal, 
that probably, you know, stopped the necessity for them to bring in two guys. But with Judd, you have a guy who showed a ton of improvement this season, has all the tools to work with that Coach Dawson is a huge fan of, obviously. We we use the Clayton Toon comparison throughout the season. And I think that Judd is a guy who has been all in on this Canes class from the beginning, um, but excited about his ceiling and knowing that he's going to come in and doesn't need to be the guy, you know, right away. And there's not going to be a real expectation on him. So I think he's going to have a good chance to develop. Yeah, I think Miami originally wanted Air Nolan and uh, Judd Anderson as the two quarterbacks in this class. Obviously, Air Nolan, Miami was in great shape with him. Ohio State put the pressure on late. We're able to get him. And Miami was going to take Judd Anderson anyways. So they stayed with him and were able to get him. He's someone they loved off his junior tape. And his junior year really was more flashes than production. I think he almost had as many interceptions as touchdowns. But they were betting that the improvement would come. He's somebody who was a basketball player, leading rebounder in the state of Georgia, double-double guy, um, more of a wing T offense early in his career, new to quarterback in general, but then also played in the wing T, switched his junior year, again, up and down, but enough flashes for Miami to make the offer and take the commitment. Then senior year, uh, when he transferred to Warner Robins High School, really took off 30 touchdowns, I believe, versus six interceptions, also ran for a few, caught one, um, really had a standout year that made Miami feel good about their evaluation of him. If I'm breaking him down, first thing, obviously, is high six six, almost 6'7". Usually with guys like that, they're goofy, right? There's coordination issues. Maybe they have a strong arm, but the coordination is what you worry about. With Anderson, because of his basketball background, he is extremely coordinated and smooth. The delivery is smooth, very good arm. Um, all his movements, his play action, everything he does – is very coordinated and smooth. Again, a basketball player. You saw him catch a touchdown to win a game. I saw him run. You know, watch a couple of his full games, and I was surprised by how good he was running against some good Georgia defenses. I mean, he was he was getting chunks of yards when his strides got going, about 30, 40 yard runs. So with him, the question is going to be just reading defense is a huge leap from junior to senior year, but you, is that going to continue? You got to see the continued development, but they're betting on the work ethic. Uh, they're betting on the just the general character of the kid. He's a high IQ kid, great family. We had him on the podcast, great personality. So you're betting on that to come. He was not a point guard on basketball. He was a, a, a big man. So I was going to say that, yeah. Decision-making and stuff like that, I think that would be – and just not just throwing interceptions, but you know, being quick and, and reading defenses. I Decisive. think that's where that's where he's going to ha- have the most room to grow. But he's just getting started, and and I know Coach Doss is excited to coach him. So running back position, land two guys in Jordan Lyle, Chris Wheatley, Humphrey, Hellcat. Obviously, Kevin Riley flips there to Alabama. We knew there was a lot working against Miami there the last week. A guy who. Man, you got to credit Miami for having the balls to go into Tuscaloosa and and even try to recruit a running back, right? A guy that nationally heralded as him. And, I mean, giving it their best shot obviously didn't didn't get it done. But Coach Cristobal said today on the Joe Rose Show, they were looking for backs who could run through and by you. And I think these two right here, uh, nice combination. Yeah, obviously, Kevin Riley, they wanted big time. Um, you miss all the shots you don't take. They probably would have had him if Alabama – because Alabama wanted him the whole time, but they had kind of focused on other guys because he was committed to Miami. But then when they missed out on the other guys, they said, all right, we've got one guy. We're going to go all, all in. And it's tough to be, withstand that pressure for a Tuscaloosa kid in Alabama. But, you know, that could have that could have gone Miami's way if certain things bounced different. Um, but Miami was able to get Jordan Lyle, who reminds me a ton of Mark Walton, Great senior year. He was good as a junior, but a great senior year. He's someone that Miami flipped from Ohio State. You know, this wasn't one of those where they just, you know, they're like, ah, he's committed, but go ahead and take him. You know, Ohio State wanted him bad. They fought to keep him. Miami went and flipped him. He's some, I think he's listed at 195. Uh, he's got a bigger body than that. I think he'll be a good 200 plus pretty soon. Big lower body, breaks a ton of tackles, great contact balance, just a pure, pure running back. By the way, shout out, I see, Al, I see Alfonso Restrepo in the comments cooking up another Fonzie scheme. Uh, you know, shout out to shout out to Fonz. Um, but, but Lyle, very solid. Again, Mark Walton would be my comp there. 
Chris Wheatley Humphrey, someone that we talked about early on in the bank, extremely productive, double-digit yards per carry for a South Broward program that's you know not a huge program with a great offensive line. Competition is not as good. Would have loved to see him in St. Thomas or Diller just to kind of measure him that way. Uh, but he's someone that came to Miami's camp, and they were, I can tell you this year they were blown away by what he did. He was already committed, but they wanted to see him up close. Went to the camp, played corner, played running back. And, and the, the story I got on him is – you know, when you see him in just walking around, you say, did we make a mistake offering this guy? He doesn't really look the part. And then once the football part starts, he he really emerges and, and shows a lot because of his, his just natural abilities, ability to start, without lo- or start and stop without losing speed, his instincts. Again, corner or running back, he'll start as a running back here, especially with Riley going to, uh, to Tuscaloosa, but a, a very dynamic and productive player. Wide receivers, I mean, this this is a, a trio here in Chance Robinson, Nykar, and uh, JoJo Trader, of course, from Chaminade, that three guys that are college ready, ready to make an impact from a physical standpoint. Coach Cristobal, you heard him today talking about these three guys and what they bring to the table. You can tell he's super excited about them coming in. And I think there's an expectation that – all three of these guys can see the field to some degree next season and, and make an impact. And then of course, you know, I, I want you to give your insight on the Jeremiah Smith uh, situation, you know, as it went down there to the wire. You're on mute. D. Yeah. Thank you. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. I see 1804 hurricane says activate the like like button. Pete, make sure everything's good on the back end. but yeah, definitely like and subscribe to this podcast. Remember to sign up to the Canes insight forums. It was so insane yesterday. Anybody who's on will tell you just the activity level, the memes, the gifs, um, just constant refreshing. Marriages were ruined yesterday, but uh, you know it was for a top three class. It's all good. Um, you talk about wide receiver. I mean, we'll start with Jeremiah Smith. Um, you know, best player in the country. I think that was a fair ranking. Miami took their shot. They were very confident going into the announcement. Obviously, with the understanding that who knows, but they had received um, positive. Messaging from Jeremiah's camp. They did everything they could do uh, and didn't go their way. Same thing at night, by the way. When he didn't sign his NIL, they, they kept getting some positive feedback on him, but it just it didn't go Miami's way, and that's what happens. I think ultimately that's where history hurt Miami. Miami needs to prove they can develop first-round receivers if they want to start landing the top players uh, in the country. I think the, the biggest hurdle in recruiting that Miami needs to cross is that elite local receiver – you know, it's been a it's been a problem, right? It's been at Mari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy. Um, it goes back a long way. Brandon Ennis last year, now Jeremiah Smith this year. Difference this year is the other guys he got are also pretty elite, and we'll talk about them. Um, you know, not Nicar out of out of Georgia is somebody who uh, I talked to somebody. The comparison to him was Jacoby George, but everything. Upgraded. So Jacoby George, pretty talented guy, but with Nikar, just everything that you like about Jacoby George, just more of it. His production was stupid in Georgia and high level football. Um, receiver production is, a, is an underrated thing to look for when you look at high school players. People that you pull up his stats, but he was unreal. We mentioned on the bank, we said, first time I think anybody connected Nikar to Miami was in Kane's Insight. We said, keep an eye on this one. Miami went and got him, they prioritized him. And, uh, he committed after the Georgia Tech game, which is a tough one to, to w- witness, but yeah. stayed, stayed with the program and um, is now a, a linchpin member of this class. He's someone that rose. He was already ranked high, but he rose in the rankings as a senior just because his senior season was so outstanding and productive. Uh, again, someone in the program told me he's probably the best guy on screens, meaning catching a screen and making a play up field that they've ever seen. And he could also track the ball. He can run routes. He can change speeds. He's a do-it-all receiver, and the production reflects that. So Nikar, big, big-time player. Uh, Jojo Trader out of Chaminade, um, you know, someone who been on the radar, at least with me, since he was at Central, making plays both ways in the state championship game, corner and receiver. Um, you know, reminds me of, of Herb Waters from the Canes back in the day, but cranked up. Everything just you know double in terms of upside. Um, he could play corner. He could play receiver. He's about six and a foot and a half. I think he'll play receiver here. Um, I was told he, when he went to the Legends camp that he was doing stuff that our current receivers weren't doing, just as far as route running, acceleration, 
um, body control, just very smooth in everything he does. You've seen some of the one-handed catches, some of the toe tappers in Shamanaz nationally televised games. He can do all that. And I think when he gets more, is you know, he's got a decent frame. He's just skinny. When the weight starts coming on, I think you're going to see even more physicality and explosiveness uh, from JoJo Trader. And then Chance yeah, Robinson. Go ahead. Go I ahead. think polished. Polished is the word that comes to mind with those guys, though, for sure. I mean, they are they're ready to go and and be players pretty much immediately at Miami. Yeah, when Chance Robinson in, falls in that in a category, right? Yeah, that that's yeah. Both of those guys. I think Nikar is special. I mean, I think Mario called him a rocket ship. So his speed is the extra thing with him that's going that's going to take him. You know, I think. Uh, you know, to, to great things at Miami, but those two chance and Jojo are very, very polished receivers for their age. One, 1,000%. Yeah, Keeping it moving in your route running. I got to get, we got to get chances love. So the toe yeah. tapping, the, the, the route running, um, the blocking, I mean, that's not glamorous, but you saw in our offense receivers are called upon to block. Even a guy like Restrepo who was first team all ACC. He's his, he was called on the block. I think chance does that. I think the physical presence and the polish, like you said, Pete, that's what stands out with chance. It's a good compliment to the other two. Tight end spot. You look at a guy in Elijah Lofton, who's one of the best football players of the country. He's not your traditional tight end, but coach Cristobal used the word dynamic with him. And I think that's the perfect explanation. He's probably my favorite player in the class. I don't know. He's the you know, best player. I don't know. Maybe. Could be. But in terms of who's my favorite player, it would be Elijah Lofton. Saw him against Central. He was unreal. Uh, I think he scored like four touchdowns in that game, including running the ball. Um, you know, he's really, to me, just like a super fullback. Because you look at his body, he's about 6'1", 240. So he's undersized for a tight end, but for a fullback, he's perfect. Tested in the 90th percentile. Weight room freak. Um, ran the ball extremely well. Again, multiple touchdowns against against South Florida competition and also lines up wide, has great body control, runs like a receiver, and then very physical blocker. He, he can he can lead block, again, that fullback projection. He can block in line, no problem. He's strong enough. Um, there's a play it, it, when you, at, at Bishop Gorman where there was an interception, Guy was running, seemed like a sure touchdown. He went back, chased him down, and knocked the ball away. Just tremendous motor speed, physicality at the end. Everything you want in a football player. Heard he also returned some kicks this year, threw a touchdown. He does it all. And when you people hear fullback, they think, oh, old school offense. But look at the Miami Dolphins, right, with Mike McDaniel. They play the fullback all the time, all the time. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk for uh, San Francisco, you know, you see him. Lincoln Riley uses guys like this. This guy gives you so many options with his versatility and his ability to do multiple things that he is a perfect fit in a sophisticated, multidimensional offense. Love, love, love Elijah Lofton. I know the staff feels the same way. Offensive line class to me is a very intriguing group here. It's not going to be the most heralded group, but with the cachet that Coach Cristobal and Coach Mirabal have, have built at that position – um, you have to trust these evaluations and you had to also understand it was, it was going to be pretty difficult bringing in a highly rated class after what you brought in last year, asking guys to come in and, and compete right away. But right off the top, Markel Bell, number one Juco offensive tackle in the country. I posted his comments today in terms of coach Cristobal's comments on Markel Bell. And I, I've, I personally have never seen him talk like that about an offensive lineman. And I, I said it to someone else who's familiar with him. They said before the kid even steps on campus, you know, that's the sort of thing that puts him on the radar of, of NFL scouts already with those sort of comments that he made today. So and he'll be here. He'll be here early too. Right. So yes. Is there a ton of guys in front of him who are already, you know, shown what they can do 100%, but with the traits that Coach Cristobal described with him, 6'8". I mean, I, he talked about him being, you know, agile, athletic, you know, having the ability to recover when he gets beat, heavy-handed. I mean, the words that he was using to describe him sounded like future NFL tackle. Yeah, and the size is just unreal. I mean, it's almost 6'9", big body but not fat, um, has some movement skills. 
going to be here early. So Crystal mentioned the winter training and the spring to get him up to speed. Could you see him at tackle? Jalen Rivers coming back. Phenomenal news. Is is Rivers going to play guard maybe to get ready for the NFL? Is Mal- Noah going to play guard? Some people think that might be his best position. A lot of options. That's a good thing when you're the Miami Hurricanes. And Markel Bell, someone, again, first identified on Kane's inside in the bank. Uh, Miami ended up landing him. But he's he brings a lot, a lot of upside. You mentioned the cachet with with Mirabal and, and Cristobal. They didn't all get the Penne Sewells in, in, in Oregon. They also had a lot of three-star guys that they turned into NFL players, into all-conference players. So they know what they want. They get it. Size is a big part of it. Markel Bell, obviously, as a four-star player, has a lot of that size. Um, and another guy that I think is under – is talked about – there you go. There's the tweet. Who's not talked about a, that much yeah. is – go ahead, go ahead, Pete. No, I was just going to say this is what Coach Cristobal said about – this is his full quote on, on Markel Bell. So yeah, Go ahead and read it for the people on the radio. So he said he's a human eclipse, a complete monstrosity of a human being, but he's extremely athletic. His range, his hips, his feet, everything. He's flexible, mobile, athletic, and heavy-handed. A difference maker right away. That was that was the part of it that was interesting to me, D, because uh, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, well, he's coming in from JUCO. He still might need a year. A difference maker right away means they're expecting him to have have some sort of role in that rotation next year. Yeah, and he's not fat, so you don't have to lose weight on him. You know, maybe conditioning will be an adjustment, but it's not like you're taking a 390 pounder and trying to turn him into a 340 pounder. That's not that's not the case. So that'll be interesting. But another guy who I think could be having an instant impact, someone that you've interviewed, Pete, and you've talked about a lot, is uh, is Nico. And I'll let you pronounce his name because you're better. Nino, than Nino, Nino, oh, sorry, Nino Francavilla. Nino yeah. Francavilla. There we go. Yeah. Uh, six three two ninety. I, I heard when he came down to the camp, they tested him. Uh, he was a four eight shuttle guy, so very athletic. Verified when they put the, the their own numbers on him, meeting Miami, and you know if you had a center test well, performs well in your camp, is a weight room freak, has that quickness with the shuttle, and then you t- turn on the tape, he's a mauler, and committed to Harvard, so you know he's smart. You know, there's a lot of attributes that you like at the center position. Pete, I know you know a lot about his uh, his his athletic background, his family background. So yeah, his dad his dad was a was a was a goalkeeper for Body, which is you know a a, a club that's in the I don't know if it was they were in the Serie A when he was playing there, but they're currently in Serie B. And I mean, that's to be a goalkeeper at that level. That shows. I mean, he's got the real. He's got some real bloodlines. And, uh, you know, like you said, he, he's got the grinder in him, came to Miami camp. And when they offer based off camp, those are camp offers are rare these days. I mean, we're, we're sensitive, we're desensitized to it because of the Al Golden era when offers flew left and right from camps, right? Guys you had never heard of, but it, it's very interesting when this staff does it, understanding the evaluation efforts behind it. We talked about uh, Alonzo Highsmith yesterday and his role in uh, the evaluation process, right? So to me, you got to really keep an eye on certain guys like him that uh, fit the mold of what they're looking for. And you look at the offer list, he's got it up here. No question. And someone else who's got it up there, uh, Derek Plaz. Who you, another guy who's been on the podcast. I think we interviewed a big, pretty much interviewed most of these high school commits um, on the podcast. There's a few hours missing, but but yeah, he was he was an awesome one. But as far as offensive line, you can go back and listen to some of these. Um, Derek Plaz is really impressive. Again, go listen to the interview he did with Pete Kane's Inside Podcast. Just super smart. Um, you watch him on on film. Went to Mandarin, which was a, a higher level program that he was at previously. Fit right in. Was in the state championship game. I mean, tremendous finisher putting guys in the dirt from the tackle position probably projects as a guard at Miami, but somebody who you know, 280, 290 has a good size, but really, really physical, really smart, can bend, you know, fluidity and all that stuff's not a problem. And it's telling Penn state was after him. NC state was after him. Penn state's going to have a top tackle this year. who I don't think was the most highly rated guy in the world is going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, NC state had a three star who, uh, was a top 10 pick to Carolina Panthers on top of a lot of other good offensive linemen to come out of that NC state program in recent years. So these are schools that know how to evaluate offensive linemen. They were both hot after Derek Plaz. Of course, Miami now has become a school that can evaluate offensive linemen and they were very happy to win that commitment. 
And then the last guy would be Juan Manaya from Paramus Catholic in New Jersey. Juan Dormanaya, as I showed on the, uh, I'll pull it up again here. Why not? Let me try to find this picture. But essentially, this guy is the size of a door. <laughs> but what do you what do you think about uh, about Juan? And and I mean, he's another one who has the he has the traits, right? And he and he uh, he's he's a guy that Mirabal, from what I understand, was very high on him. Well, I love the interview you did with him uh, again on the Kansas Eye podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Um, I thought he was great. His size is ridiculous. Like you just showed, it's not just his height. It's not just his weight. It's the body composition. He's not a fat kid. Um, you know, Dominican offensive lineman reminds me of, well, we've had two. They were both pretty good players. Uh, John Feliciano, who is a longtime NFL player. I think he's still in the NFL. And um, Joel Figueroa. Remember him? Both yeah, of course. Pretty, uh, you know, underrated guys. Also, and here, here's uh, the picture right here. If you're watching on the on the live stream right now, or or watching the the video on on YouTube here, I mean, he's obviously the size of a door. And and once he gets in the weight room, he could be a guy that I think probably needs. You know, he needs a red shirt year, I would say. But you get him in the program, and a year from now, you're probably looking at a at a, at a different guy. Yeah. And- Senior film was a lot better than junior film. You could see what Mirabal saw with him. He's also a guy that had a lot of offers, Penn State, um, some of the Northeast schools, you know, Power Five. It's not like this. We're talking about like a diamond in the rough here. This is a Power Five player all the way, even if Mirabal doesn't identify him. So very good senior year. You could see some of the stuff Mirabal liked. I think a guard, a mauler, somebody who you mentioned, when they get they get in the weight room, that body type is going to is gonna be pretty imposing um, lining up next to you. Or across from you. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, the much heralded defensive line class that obviously Coach Cristobal is pumped up about. We'll start at the interior there with Justin Scott, late flip for the Hurricanes. You know, got him from from he was committed to Ohio State. He was someone that I know the staff had kind of been working quietly on for months. He had visited Miami how many times? I had, I had never seen a guy visit visit a school that many times and I, and not actually commit there initially. Um, so so we'll start with him and then Artavius Jones. Um, those two right there, I think, set the table for this class. Yeah, I think the, the story with defensive tackles in this class or defensive linemen, you're about freaks. That's the, the, the word, you know, just physical talents. So starting off with Justin Scott, 6'5", almost 6'6", 315 pounds, wingspan, huge hands. Measurables are just off the charts. That's why he's a top 10 player in the nation. Played soccer, played basketball. Um, And then you mentioned this year, you know, you watch him playing running back. Cristobal talked about in his press conference. He was running for touchdowns. You could pull up on huddle. Um, He was really, really impressive running the ball. Also could easily be a five-star offensive lineman if you wanted to go that route. You know, he does have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball as an as a offensive lineman, but fluid. Again, the movement skills to play running back. His competition is not the best, but Chicago puts out a lot of professionals. Russell Maryland from the uh, Miami Hurricanes, number one overall pick. Obviously, another Chicago defensive tackle. Crystal mentioned that in his press conference. But pairing him with, with Lightfoot, another Chicago guy, you're doing some work there in these big cities where you're going to recruit better than maybe the small towns that are going to be lending themselves more to a Big Ten or in the South, an SEC. So I think that was smart recruiting, smart to really push on to Justin Scott, and he's a top-ten player in the country for a reason. It's the, the physical uh, tools. And then, of course, we have to talk about Armando Blunt, a big signing day flip for the Hurricanes, another one that – just showing the relentless nature of this coaching staff. How many staffs would have just said, forget about it with this kid when he made that, that flip initially to Florida state. Uh, And look, they may not have uh, completely given up staffs in the past may not have completely given up, but they turned the tide there really quickly. I mean, you were, you were, you were posting on the bank, right. For, you know, some time that Miami felt pretty good about their chances about flipping him, that they're working diligently on him. And a guy who doesn't turn 17 until February, which is absolutely insane. I know you're very high on his upside. Defensive line, it's tough for maybe someone of, of his uh, age to come in and make an impact right away. But I said on a live yesterday, who's to say he can't 
continue to grow and grow quickly considering he's only 16 years old. Yeah, we, we talked about Justin Scott, you know, his traits being right. the size, playing offense, running back, playing basketball, soccer, all those kind of things. With Blunt, 6'4", 260, pushing 6'5", verified 4'8 speed. So that's laser. That's why he's a top five player in the country for 2025 and then a, still a five-star after re, you know, reclassing. So 4'8 verified. State champion in the shot put as a freshman in high school. Sack production, good every year, including this year. 4.6 GPA, which is rare. Defensive tackles, usually they're, they're mean and big. They're not always the smart ones. Those guys usually play on the offensive side of the ball. Very, very smart, which allowed him to reclass. And then, like you mentioned, only 16. So the upside on this kid is huge. That's why everybody wanted him. That's why every recruiting service ranked him so high. That's why he would have been a top five player next year if he would have stayed. The trick with him is going to be allowing him to develop this year without getting impatient, right? Because he's 16. He's going to be 17 for the whole season. You really want him to develop at a good pace without rushing. Um, so we'll have to see how that happens. But there's a reason why baseball scouts and basketball scouts place such a big emphasis on the actual age of the kid as opposed to what class they're in because they know that is a big marker of upside when they do the analytical breakdowns of what, what's hit and what's missed in the past. Age is a major, major factor. And younger the better because if you're producing at a young age, you're probably going to produce at a, at a higher level as you get older. So Armando Blunt, huge, huge upside. Uh, and there's a reason why he was a five-star and why Miami was so jacked up to get him. One guy, you know, you sent me up to talk about, I didn't talk about it yet. Artavius Jones out of Bluntstown, mm. the panhandle. Area where Miami struggles to recruit. Obviously they're small towns. There's not that many players coming out of them. And they usually go to, to SEC or Florida state. Thank you, Steve. Oh, hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast. He's a pro, he's a pro podcaster. I'm learning. Like, subscribe, you know, so show your support. We appreciate you. But anyways, with Jones, similar to Scott, this is a guy who played offense. You see him catching passes. You see him on the offensive line. You see him on the defensive line. You see him on the basketball court blocking shots, getting steals. He's a competitive power lifter. I believe he's up to four-something on the bench and 600 on the squat already. So extremely strong. I saw pictures of him on his visit next to Leonard Taylor and – he was pretty much the same size as him, which is insane, you yeah. know. So, um, and, and not fat at all. Big personality. Lot to like about Artavius Jones. All three guys we mentioned: Jones, uh, Blunt, and Scott. First round upside. They have a lot of tools now. It's just about who can develop the most. And then Dalen Russell. We even talked about a very productive player at Columbus. Doesn't have the tools of those other guys, but is a really tough football player. A lot of high school coaches around the area respect him a lot because of what he does on film and on game day. Good guy to push those super talents to be better because he's not going to go away without a fight. Yeah, you see the last Columbus guy. I mean, Elijah Roberts didn't end up, you know, doing huge things in Miami. Just went on uh, this last year and had a great season at SMU. So. Looking at these edge guys real quick, too, D, you mentioned them, but Lightfoot, Rudolph, and Booker Pickett, they they bring that length and, and those twitchy traits you're looking for off the edge. By the way, can you hear like a, a hose running right now? My, my mother-in-law. No, is, I can't. I can't. Maybe maybe okay. other people can. She's doing but. yard work and stuff, man. She doesn't stop, man. She's she's a beast. So, you know, I don't want to stop her because I need, you know, the windows need cleaning. I just want to make sure it's not coming up on the pod. So shout out to Lazara. Shout out to Lassada. She's doing a great job. Um, anyways, we're talking about Booker Pickett, legacy. He's going to play weak side linebacker for Miami. Super athletic, super productive from a tackle for loss standpoint. Um, in terms of rushing the passer, you know, he is a beast uh, production-wise. Tweener, he's not the, the, the biggest guy in the world. Um, oh, shout out to Adam. Look at that. Adam joining the podcast, my guy. Uh, you know, yeah, I go to a very sophisticated uh, – uh, sophisticated tailgate with the uh, psychology department. My wife is a, is a professor. So I got to class it up, you know, with, with that crowd um, before hanging around with the goons uh, of the Canes Insight community. So I got to wear two hats. So shout out to Adam for, uh, for joining us, man. I appreciate you. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as the Booker Pickett we're talking about, he's, he's a tweener, meaning he's not going to have the size to play defensive line full time but they're going to put play him at weak side linebacker and then allow him to rush on third down. You saw that. Miami's linebackers, even the ones that weren't playing on the edge, got a lot of sacks. 
Noah had about seven and a half, I believe. Um, Besaith had a couple. Uh, the Cloyd, KJ Cloyd had a couple. So Miami's linebackers were getting a lot of sacks on top of the edge guys. So Pickett can get sacks as a linebacker. You put on the edge, you could do some work there too. Um, so, you know, he's a lot of, a lot of things that he can do. Obviously a legacy. His dad played for Miami, his brother, I think it's his brother's cousin. I should, I should find out, but one of the top players in the class of 2025. So Miami's trying to keep it, keep it in the family. Um, but beyond family ties, this was a player whose production, athletic ability and versatility, uh, surely merited a spot in this class. And that's why he's a four-star. That's why Miami got him. Now we're talking about stacking talent and stacking these classes on top of each other. A position where that is certainly happening right now is linebacker. Ton of credit to coach Derek Nicholson and what he brought in yesterday between the Adarius Hayes flip. And then of course, Cam Pruitt from Alabama both of these guys are the modern-day prototype, rangy, length, can get sideline to sideline, are strikers, can play in coverage, right? I mean, you got to just be really excited about what they're doing to continue to add to the talent in that room. Yeah, first of all, hit that like button. I got my people in the comments supporting us saying, hit the like. I got to get better about saying it. I appreciate you. Hit the like button. Um, you know, I got distracted by, by my mother-in-law doing all this work outside, I didn't even get to some of the defensive ends. I know you set me up on linebacker, but Pickett really a lot is really in the linebacker class. If you're talking about pure defensive ends, guys that can hold up against the run and get after the passer, it's hard to do better than than Marquise Lightfoot out of Chicago and Cole McConathy out of Mobile, Alabama. Both guys super productive. They both got legit size, and I think they're both in that 6'4", six, 6'5", six, range legitimately, but they're thick. They're not skinny guys. You know, They're not guys that are going to have any problem gaining weight. They, they have strength, um, and the production is off the charts. Nicole McConathy was putting up like Reuben Bain-type sack numbers in Alabama, like 20 sacks a year. Um, high motor, both of them. Lightfoot's a highly rated player, but you watch his film. He's going down on special teams and lighting people up, so he loves football. McConathy loves football. Uh, these are guys that love football and they can play every down. Those two, I think, are going to be really, really, really talented and complete edge players to fo- to follow a really nice edge class last year with with um, Ruben Bain, freshman All America, ACC Rookie of the Year, and uh, and Jaden Wayne. And also one guy I mentioned, Elias Rudolph. All the things we were saying about Booker Pickett being skinny, tall, and having some ability to rush the passer, very productive. That applies to Rudolph as well, another high-motor guy. Uh, he'll probably stay at the end as opposed to moving a linebacker like Pickett, but he can be a pass-rush guy that gets after it. We'll see how the weight comes on with him, but we've seen it before. These guys get to college, they start eating right, and the weight comes on. You can't coach his athletic ability, spin moves, very coordinated, very twitchy, and, of course, he's almost 6'5", so a lot to like with Elias Rudolph as well but uh linebacker i'll I'll throw it back to you to set me up again because these linebackers we could talk about them all day that's that's a major improvement from the past yeah i mean and you look at what what's already there from last year and the flashes we saw late right between the popo gires of the world and and i mean those guys the difference between the room a year two years ago right and now is just just unbelievable right so it looks like I'll just jump right in. No, I mean, I'll just jump right in, man. Cause you set me up. You did all the work setting me up and I I messed it up. But listen, when crystal ball went to his press conference last year, he said, Miami, he looked at the film and he said, we don't have enough knockback tackles tacklers. We got guys that drag you down. Maybe they'll fall forward for two yards, but they're not knocking you back. Try to change that last year with the linebackers. They signed, you know, between uh, Popo Aguirre, Bobby Washington, Marcellus Pulliam, who had a very nice pick in the in the Boston College game, Malik Bryant, and then the the uh, the transfers, Malanoa and Cloyd, who both played well. Malanoa, you know, all conference type talent. This year, I think the striking has gone to an even higher level. If you watched film on Aldarius Hayes and Camp Pruitt, I mean, different types of bodies, different types of players, but watch their film. The first thing you're going to notice is when they're striking guys, it's like a cobra. The guys. It's very quick, and the guys are flying backwards. They're flexible. They can get down in their stance and explode through guys, and it's a, it's a sight to see. It's something we needed, and we saw it improve tackling this year on the field. Much better tackling, much better striking, stopping guys in their tracks. It's only going to get better with the recruits we're getting. So two very different players. Start with Aldarius Hayes, top 100 player out of Largo, Florida. Not somewhere where Miami recruits a lot. 
uh, even though it is in Florida. So Miami made some inroads there and did some nice work. Um, six, four. I heard this guy was huge on his visit. You know, the, he's a true linebacker. Some of these guys are hybrids. This guy played linebacker basically his whole career, at least as far as I've seen him uh, covering, reading his keys, playing a true linebacker and doing it very, very well mentally and movement wise. So he is a linebacker, but man, he is huge. You wonder where his body's going to go. Uh, but a, a natural striker, sometimes those tall guys like to wrestle you down a little bit, but he can bend and explode. Again, very smart, doesn't waste time uh, seeing it and reacting. Um, and there's a reason why he's a top 100 player and why the Gators uh, were crying yesterday. Well, there are a lot of reasons why the Gators are crying yesterday, yeah. but he was one He was one big reason. Um, Camp Pruitt, to me, I mentioned Elijah Lofton uh, on one end of the football. I think my favorite player on defense is probably Camp Pruitt out of Mobile, Alabama. Again, Miami got two guys from Mobile with Camp Pruitt and Cole McConathy. I think both guys are really, really, really good. Um, Camp Pruitt, not as big. As 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 um Hayes, you know, talking about Hayes, is he going to outgrow linebacker with with Pruitt? You're saying is he going to grow into linebacker? I think he will. He played a lot of linebacker. It's not like he's only been a safety, but he has played safety. He's played a lot of linebacker. He's played receiver. Caught long touchdowns. Watch his senior clips. You see him running by guys um, on his way to the end zone. But modern linebacker, Pete, you know this from NFL agent days. What are the people looking for in the pros? They're not looking for the old Dick Buckus. They want guys that can be. Safeties, if they need to be, they can be linebackers if they need to be. They can rush the passer. Pruitt, knockback tackler, great special teams player. On top of all this, as is Hayes, um, but Pruitt can cover like a safety. He can strike like anybody. And um, as his weight goes up, I think you're going to see him be a three-down, really talented linebacker in the mold of what you see on the San Francisco 49ers. So love Camp Pruitt, major steal out of the South. Looking at the defensive back class, you know, if you want to nitpick at all, this is probably the spot where uh, they didn't land the blue chip guys necessarily. Uh, you have some guys with great traits at the position, which is really the number one thing you're looking for, right? But Coach Cristobal said it today. There's a lot, lot of work to be done in the portal there. They've already picked up Savion Riley out of Vanderbilt. But you get at the cornerback spot, Romanus O.J. Frederick from St. Thomas Aquinas at safety. Ryan Mack, another Aquinas kid, of course, Legacy Kane, track speed, right? Isaiah Thomas, an, a guy that could be considered a linebacker a couple of years from now, right, potentially. And he's out of Clearwater Catholic there, and, and he's had not – clear, clear, not Clearwater Catholic, excuse me, but the International Academy out there – and he's dealt with some injuries that have maybe held him back a little bit. So as, as soon as he can get w close to 100%, I think that you'll start to see some good things from him here. Um, but what are your overall thoughts of that defensive back group uh, that's been yeah, brought in? You know, it's kind of like the two historic weaknesses. I'll say historic. The two recent weaknesses for Miami came to light still, which is you, you can't get that number one receiver in, in South Florida. And the that elite five-star corner has eluded Miami um, really for a long, long time. So those things still need to be rectified. I think I agree the portal is going to be big. Miami's still going to try to get Xavier Mincy. That was still alive as far as I talked to you know people yesterday, but it wasn't as strong as it was you know a month ago, two months ago. Alabama's making a real run there, but that's still alive as of yesterday. Um, but they got some good players. And look, if we're talking about DBs in general. Start at the top, Zayquan. Yeah. Zayquan Patterson is one of the best players in the class. Period. You watch some of those early games where Shaman and I was taking on these out of state teams that were on national TV. He was probably the best player in those games. Um, just ability to blitz. He's a much better blitzer than James. Very similar to James Williams in a lot of ways, but I think he's a better blitzer. Um, he's probably a little faster, better tackler, more of a striker. Um, and James Williams, is a really good player. But I think Zayquan his blitzing is better than James. I think his tackling is better. He's more consistent, just a knockback striker kind of guy. Very good technique on top of being a hitter. Um, gets home more often on the blitzes, which we talked about. Showed some more uh, athletic ability. They were talking about linebacker for him, but he showed a lot more athletic ability than people thought this year. Interceptions, taking the ball from guys, going the other way. Um, state championship game made some really nice plays and coverage. Special teams animal. I thought he'll be a he'll probably be our best special teams player from day one as far as coverage units. I mean, he's that good. 
and he was that good. And even as a top 100 player, top 50 player in the country, he was still running like crazy on special teams. Again, we talked about Lightfoot earlier, top 100 player, playing hard on special teams. Patterson, playing hard on special teams. That's what you like to see. You want your star players, your elite blue chippers, to have that walk-on mentality. I think Patterson fits the bill. Grown man, he'll play right away. James Williams was starting by the end of his uh, freshman year, if I recall. I think Zaquan could follow in those footsteps. Again, certain things he does better than James Williams. But and then, uh, sorry, going down the line, Isaiah Thomas, another big safety. Someone I mean, really likes. The problem with him has just been injuries. He was injured as a junior. Season ended early. Um, this season ended early with an injury to his knee. You watch his sophomore tape as good as anybody, and his body type's as good as anybody. Legit 6'2", 200. We had him on the podcast, super smart Canadian guy, um, Toronto kid. But it's gonna be the it's gonna be the injury. The good news is, kids heal. They're not like you right. and I. You know, he's this guy's 17 years old. A lot of kids had. I remember TJ uh, 2K. Listen, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm I'm two ACL tears in, and I'm still going strong. If anyone wants to see me at Peacock Park on, on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, but Let's your game is, is is ground based. You know, as <laughs> my game. You know, I, I'm I'm a cerebral ball player. I can I can I can do what I want when I get to my my spots on the floor. Right. So you don't need the explosiveness as much as a Thomas will. But I think his his youth will allow him to bounce back. A lot of the best care in the world here in Miami. Um, so the talents there. He probably would have been a four star player if not for the injuries because of his size um, and and his athletic ability at that size. Um. Corner, oh, you know, one guy I want to mention, his senior film came out maybe yesterday. I'm going to post it right when we get off this podcast. Um, Dylan Day out of Baton Rouge. This is someone Gidry offered at Marshall. He is someone that Gidry offered at Tulane. And is someone Gidry offered at Miami. So clearly he sees a role for him in this defense. I think it's probably that nickel role that Takori Couch played. Because Dylan Day is somebody who can run. 21, 200-meter guy. Um, I think he ran a 4-6 laser early in his junior year. Yeah, maybe as a sophomore. So, you know, he's, he'll be a four or five guy at least when he gets to college. Um, watch his film. He's playing outside corner. He's playing nickel. He's playing safety. He's playing in the box. He's returning kicks. He does it all. Small school in Baton Rouge, but a team that won the state championship. He was the best player on that team, best player in that league. So, did what he was supposed to do. Maybe it's an adjustment when he goes to play here because of the small school, but he's also from Louisiana. So, it's not like he's from, you know, Nantucket, you know? So, I think he's somebody that can really play. Gidry has a clear role from the defense. He can see it. He's physical. He strikes, even though he's a skinnier guy. Um, he can run. He had an interception to win their state semifinal, got him to the state championship game, so he can make plays on the ball. Um, really, he's one of my favorite guys to watch in the class. Only question with him is going to be the adjustment in competition, um, but I think he can handle it, and I think he's going to develop a lot when he gets in the weight program. Two guys that we don't want to worry about that, O.J. Frederick, Ryan Mack, St. Thomas. We all know about St. Thomas and the factory that they are as far as producing NFL defensive backs, P5 starting defensive backs, polished players. I mean, no secrets there. Ryan Mack, his father, Rod Mack, um, really gr- instrumental in a lot of guys in this class because um, he was a very prominent youth coach, really helped the Canes a lot. Um, his son ran a 10-9, had a great senior year. I think it really – his senior film was really, really good, better than his junior film. He played more, um, but you know, showed tackling instincts, 10, nine speed. So he can run enough. He's a smaller guy, but uh, it's tough for his size, tough for any size, but you know, he, he can hold up. I think the comp for him would be like a Jaden Davis who had a really good senior year for Miami here as a grad transfer. I can see that as a cop. He might be a little faster. Uh, Mac, Mac being a little faster. Frederick's different. Frederick's upside. You know, this guy was a receiver mostly in Deerfield beach. Also played a little corner, but was really a receiver. Now St. Thomas goes both ways and returns kicks, which is rare because St. Thomas has guys that can do all of those roles separately. You know, they usually have – they're trying to – they have D1 guys on the bench. So going both ways and taking two spots, three spots in the case of special teams, that's unusual, but Frederick did it. Big athlete, um, six foot, six foot one, long, killed it at our camp, which is why he got the offer. His camp performance at corner, they think there's a lot of upside with him. You're going to have to learn to be more physical just because he's a receiver, but that comes with with reps. He did show some nice flashes there as the season went along. Um, but I think he's someone that's because he gets size, as he gets experience, um, big upside with him. So high floor with uh, Mac, and then high ceiling with Frederick in the corner room. Then Miami signs a kicker 
Abram Murray that apparently they're pretty excited about as well. Um, so, you know, I don't think we have much of a scouting report on him, right? <laughs> no. But, um, I, you know, keep an eye on him, right? Because they, they did a good job going and finding a punter last year when they needed to. And I heard he played tennis, which is, you know, it sounds funny, but you, you want multi-sport guys, man, a kicker. You want athletes. You know, Headley was a rugby player, right? Badgley played a lot of sports. Uh, Bosher was an athlete. You know, you want athletes at that position. Um, so I think that's a positive sign. But, yeah, we'll see when he gets here. Miami's done a really good job with kickers. Um, the last, you know, we talk about Borgales is a stud, his brother. And then, of course, the punters they brought in. Yeah, a few, few things here before we wrap it up. One, just talk about the South Florida, you know, the net that was that was put over South Florida for the most part. Obviously, number one player in the country still leaves, so that's an issue. But compared to years past, and it was the focus for Coach Cristobal right away. I mean, every other job he's had, it was a focus of his to recruit South Florida. So, of course, we knew when he came to Miami to be the head coach, it would be his bread and butter, and he really hit hit it hard this this year. Yeah, look, and Miami's recruiting national with Cristobal because they can. Number one, because because of Cristobal, uh, the person, and what he brings in as a recruiter. Number two, you know, you can pay players now, and <laughs> Miami has money, so that that helps. Um, once we get our record up to this par, that's going to really help with the national kids. But you know, Miami is able to recruit nationally, so they don't have to rely on South Florida. But of course, you want to build a, a net our fence crystal balls talked about it incessantly and we're not there yet when the number one player in the country goes to Ohio state, you can't say you have a fence around South Florida, but I think really there was really just two players that Miami really prioritized that they missed in South Florida. I would say Jeremiah Smith and then Chauncey Bowens who went to Georgia. I think it's probably he's lower ranked in the recruiting rankings, but I think it's probably underrated in my opinion, having seen it since he was a sophomore um, super talented running back. One of the reason he's going to Georgia, um, but aside from those two guys, really Miami got who they wanted. You know, Lyle, uh, Chance Robinson, JoJo Traders, Aquan Patterson. You know, these were the guys they wanted to get. Um, you know, Loey McCoy. I think they liked more as a corner. He could be a very good player for Florida State. Uh, Howard, um, Jamari Howard didn't play a lot, so they didn't have a lot to eval- evaluate him on. They didn't pursue him that hard. Um, but the guys they really targeted: Armando Blunt, obviously the five-star defensive lineman. Blunt, Trader, Patterson, Chance. They, they did a good job of getting the guys they wanted to get uh, in South Florida. And the last step is getting that Jeremiah Smith, that Dalvin Cook, that Calvin Ridley, that guy sitting at the top of the tree. You got to get that to really be back Miami. And I think we're almost there. On-field performance, producing more first-rounders uh, will get us over that last hump. So, obviously, D, you've been all over the portal and that's going to be now the second wave here coming up as we enter the start of the year and Coach Cristobal and staff try to really supplement what they had last year coming back and now with this recruiting class. Canesinsight.com, you've, you pretty much have brought all the names to the bank or the ATM to the, the board right before you know they were out there fully, right? So we know that Zach Carpenter, Offensive lineman from Indiana's in, Savion Riley, safety from Vanderbilt, the two defensive tackles, and CJ Clark from NC State, Marley Cook, both of those guys are in. We know the quarterback position is obviously on everyone's mind right now. It's the elephant in the room. It was a big topic yesterday as well. Where do things stand there as of 7 p.m., the day after signing day, early signing day? First of all, shout out to Mark Zager in the comments. He's been saying he saved your grandfather Pedro's life. I don't know you got to look into that one. Uh, he, this yeah, guy no, be, it, it, it's 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 true. It's true. Shout out to Mark Zager. That he's he, you know there'd be no Kane's inside without Mark Zager, man. So shout out to you. Um, but uh, you know, as far as quarterback, let me check my phone. Make sure I haven't missed anything while we've been on um, any text or anything. Oh, <laughs> what's that? Just came in right now. Hold on. Hold on. We are, uh, D, we are, we're in the 21st century here. And I can pull up exactly what you are talking about. (laughs) Pull it up. Pull it up, man. We're going to do another one of these things in 30 minutes, man. God damn. We're supposed to go to Flanagan's. We might have to cancel that trip. Is this, is this right now though? Pull up Dennis Smith's Twitter. 
I, that's from December 20th. I'm sorry. That's oh, we got trolled? No, what son of a gun? Oh, that's why I can't trust the text. My texts are going insane right now. Listen, I don't, I, I don't see, uh, I don't you know, see it in any of my group chats. So it was do awesome, man. I gotta stop looking at that guy's text. What a jerk. Anyways, sorry for the trust of the comments. I got an old. Someone sent an old Dennis Smith bat signal. I didn't check the date because I'm on this. It podcast. was from yesterday. It was from yesterday. So yeah, tell uh, it's right. Bash Briggs is edited from the pod. Yeah, tell uh, tell Anthony to cut this this part out. Whatever, man. We're live. Who cares? Anyways, at least we got our Flanagan's date on. We don't have to cancel it. Listen, on Cam Ward, here's what I'll say. I think the weekend probably. Timeline wise for him, um, I think Miami is going to is in the best shot, has the best shot to get him. We'll see. Um, that's what people want to know about. I think that uh, that Miami is in the in the best position to get uh, Cam Ward. Um, so you know, it's so us around NFL. I don't think Florida State's really in it. I think uh, I think Miami will get it done. I think this weekend they'll get it done. It's my prediction. You know, my educated prediction uh, on Cam Ward. We'll see if I'm right or wrong, but. You know, who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, look, I said it yesterday, D, just to add real quick. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything different from what I posted last week that it looked like Ward was was trending to Miami. Obviously, there was still a lot of stuff to be worked out, but um, I, I think the info matches up from from what we've been hearing. So let's let's see how it plays out. Right. They still got to still got to cross the finish line. Yeah. So but Cam Ward, hey, this is this is, by the way, you, this is what you get for making the unibrow joke. That's getting right. trolled like that for your boy Duazo. I should have. I would if I would have known it was Duazo sending that. I just pulled up my phone to make sure I didn't get a text from somebody that you know was serious. If I knew it was Duazo, I would have. I would have vetted a little more um, another time. But anyways, yeah. So, but that's that's a fresh info though on Cam Ward. I think probably this weekend. I think Miami's got a great shot. Um, Anyone else respect, in the portal that, that yeah, well, the receivers and stuff that'll come after you get a quarterback again. I think Cam Ward is the leading candidate at quarterback. Um, guys that we got, you know, I can talk about them. Zach Carpenter at Indiana. You know, talking to people in Miami, comparing it to Matt Lee, he's not as athletic as Matt Lee. I watched him against Ohio State. I went back and watched that game. I can confirm that. Um, but, uh, you know, he was on the ground a lot. So not as athletic as Matt Lee, but super strong, very polished, probably more polished than Matt Lee. Remember, Matt Lee was out of Central Florida, went to UCF. This kid, Zach Carpenter, went to Moeller in Cincinnati. Great program. Super strong weight room guy. And you watch Ohio State, they were not knocking him back at all. He was holding his own even as a center, a big center. I think he's about 6'5", um, in excess of 300 pounds. So he's a big center. It's going to be a physical presence in the middle of our of our offensive line. Honorable mention all Big Ten. You know, tough to replace an All-American type guy, Matt Lee. But this is somebody that can be an all-conference type guy and really help you maybe get to the NFL. Um, somebody that Miami's really excited about, C.J. Clark out of NC State. They think he's an NFL player. Except he'd probably be drafted right now, um, but they want to get him up to that second day area, you know, second, third round. Um, he's someone played nose tackle for NC State, gave us a lot of trouble, gave Matt Lee a lot of trouble, but really fits us schematically a little better as that three technique. He was a four, six shuttle guy in high school, can really get a field. Um, and then, you know, Savion Riley went back and watched him against uh, Florida. Rangy guy, the size jumps out right away. He could tackle. I think he had 13 tackles in that game. Had pretty good speed. Um, covered Pierce Hall in one play that they isolated him. So he could do some things versatile. Um, but uh, you know, I think Miami's gonna. That's that's one spot safety and possibly corner as well. You know, I thought going in they might not be going after so many corners, but seeing how the whole situation played out, I think they're gonna probably add a corner at least and add another safety to complement Savion Riley. So that's you'll watch that go. But obviously, all eyes are on that quarterback position. And if you ask me, you know, 7.05, um, December 21st, I think they'll get Cam Ward done. It is not done, but uh, I think they'll get it done. So any last thoughts here, D-Money? I mean, number three class in the country. Another great showing from, from Coach Cristobal and staff. This is where he wins, right, on the recruiting trail, doing it in a year that, was underwhelming at times on the field, obviously record wise, there was a lot of improvements roster wise year one to year two, but to be able to continue to sell the way that, that he sold. Right. I mean, just your final thoughts on, on this class overall. Yeah. I would say when you look at the class as a top three class, I mean, they, they ranked it that way for a reason and you brought him in to get 
you brought him in to recruit with Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and look at the weight class that he's recruiting at. That's where he's that's where he's playing. That's who he's battling. You know, that's where he's losing. Right? Those are the battles he's losing, and some of the battles he's winning. You know, he lost Kevin Riley to Alabama from Tuscaloosa. You lose Jeremiah Smith to Ohio State, who's been getting everybody they want at receiver. So, I mean, even the battles you're losing are in that class, and then the recruiting rankings are in that class. So you brought in Mario to play in that sandbox, and we're doing it. We win some, you lose some, but you're winning the you're going, you're in the real battles. You know, you're not fighting with the Louisville's of the world. And when you are, it's because you identified somebody that you said this guy's a stud, and not because you're scraping at the last second to save your class. Um, so I think that's really the takeaway. Morrow's doing what he was supposed to do recruiting wise. Now it's about putting it all together in the field, taking the positive signs and really getting over that last hump. They say you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small and you win big. That middle part, that's where Miami's got to get over the hump and start winning these games, getting to that 10 win plateau. Then they'll start getting the Jeremiah Smiths of the world, the Ellis Robinsons of the world. And then you're blowing everybody out like Miami's done in their glory days. But you're getting close. Hit that like button, hit that I, subscribe I button. Uh, keep supporting us, but um, you know I think it's going to keep going. Stay tuned for that quarterback announcement. Stay on Kansas. I will have all of it first, as you know, and uh, then it's on to the class of twenty-five, man, and the bowl. So a lot, a lot of action going on. The portal's going to heat up once the quarterback has resolved. A lot of action still on Kansas side, and uh, thank you guys for all the support throughout the year, man. Best community in the world, both on YouTube and the site. If you're on YouTube and you're on the site, get on the site. If you're a site on the site, you're checking out YouTube for the first time. Subscribe, join us. Uh, we're all one community, man, and we'll take it to the we'll take it to the tailgates this year too. We'll do some stuff, maybe spring games. So we'll have some fun. All right, Canes fans, appreciate everyone's support tonight. If you're just joining us right now, you can go back and watch this full episode on YouTube, and we'll also be dropping it in audio form and everywhere you get your podcasts. So stay tuned for that. And as D Money said, keep it locked on the website. It's portal season now. And you never know when things might pop. So check it out, canesinsight.com. Go Canes.